With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Florida. Are you there? Yes. How you doing? I'm very well, thanks. So I opened up the call just in case people wanted to talk to me and had some questions about what I'm posing and things that I've said uh, on the Facebook page. Is there? Uh, did you have any particular questions, or is there anything you wanted to talk about? Uh, actually, I was calling to see if I can hear and learn more about the writ, the man damage writ, and what in particular that is is used for and how it's used in the law tribunal court. All right. Well, in my experience, you know, we I've posted a lot of things, uh, and and. Uh, uh, David Randall's been gracious enough to la- allow me to kind of latch on to his site since he's got a lot of people that follow his his method and his uh, and, and his strategy. And uh, where where we kind of um, differentiate the two is is uh, the uh, and where I say that it really doesn't matter is the belief in the military courts. So uh, you're familiar with his what he's talking about in that respect. 
Uh, military courts as far as at like the, sorry, and maritime and the gold plea. That's the only yeah, exactly. So so there's been a lot, you know, for a lot of years, people have been talking about this issue and they've been saying that uh, the gold fringe flag and and all of the courts are under admiralty and and uh, and all of this and it's it's you know. Maybe they're not wrong, but uh, keep it in mind that, that, you know, really everything operates under international law. There's two forms of international law, Roman civil international law called civil law and common law. And these stem from the two forms of government that we have throughout the world that, that were brought about from the time when Great Britain, when the sun never set on the empire all of those countries operate at common law, and that includes the United States of America. The United States of America was founded on common law, English common law, and all the court systems are founded on that, but where we differentiate uh, to a large degree and the genius of the, of the legal system that we have is the three separate but equal branches of government. And in that, we have the executive, we have the legislative, and we have the judicial. And coming down through, the, through uh, those establishments of the court and the Constitution, the Constitution for the United States grants uh, one Supreme Court and other courts that the, that the legislature may authorize, which put the court systems into all of the several states, each of which is a separate and independent nation in and of itself within the United States. And those, those courts that we have starting with, in, I'm going to use uh, California as an example. We have three courts, the Supreme Court of California, the Appeal Court of California, and the Superior Courts of California. So where, uh, do you know which systems or courts, what, do you have a similar setup in Florida? you have Superior Courts? Um. Our superior court, if I'm not mistaken, would be called a district court. Okay, district court. So, and, so, and it'll go know. from there to the appellate court, then the Supreme Court of Florida. Right. And each, uh, you know, the states do vary somewhat, like Hawaii is a little bit uh, different, but they, there always is going to be the, the, the lower court, and then there's always going to be an appellate uh function of that operates above that court because you, you always you know in the civil system you always have a right to appeal uh any like, like any, a big brother like a big brother a big brother uh, well it's another facility. check and balance it's another right. check and balance okay so and it's part of that com it's it's you know that is a civil law uh and and it it's it's a it can be a little tricky to to get this information down to understand the different jurisdictions and how they operate one over the other and where the original jurisdictions are. But I can tell you this, there is original jurisdiction in each of those courts at common law. Each one of them can make a ruling for a writ. Each one of them has the, has the authority to do it. And the, the, the place where, where for us, as we understand it, is at our, uh, the, the only time that we should ever need to take a writ 
to any of the two upper courts would be if the court below it failed to do their duty. So where we have, let's say, let let's say um, we have it with the writ. Okay, another uh, the function of it is to uh, control agents and agencies. That's mm-hmm. it. All right, and the, and what is it that we're controlling? The, you know, we know the purpose of government is to protect our rights. Our we have life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and property, and that's what they're there to protect. And they serve that function at at the people's pleasure, so to speak. You know, we do it by consent. We, as the people, consent to be governed by these by these institutions. And uh, we give them the authority to function within the within the parameters that we set, and those parameters that we set are called the Constitution. That's the law. The law of the land, the supreme law, is the Constitution, and it defines the character of both the parties in this agreement, that we have rights and they can't be violated. And they have duties, and that means that they must uh, operate within those limits. When they fail right. to do that, the duties and the rights are correlated by each other. Uh, so that the with the what the purpose of the writ is is to uh, rain, you know to uh, call them out whenever they're violating a right because you really don't have an issue until something has happened. All right. So if uh, you know otherwise, you you know there's no controversy there. Uh, when, when, for example, uh, I'll give you a fishing license issue in, in California. All right, so as just the most basic thing, I'm fishing at the lake. The Constitution mm-hmm. of California says that I have the right to fish on any property that's ever had a fish planted in it by the state. It's a right. Mm-hmm. It's very clear. It's Article uh, 26 of the California Constitution Bill of Rights. So uh, some some agent comes up to me. Let's call him a fishing game guy. He walks up and he sees I got my fishing pole out and my hooks in the water, and uh, and then he sees I got my, you know, uh, uh, I'm fishing. So he thinks and it looks like I am and I am. I'm fishing, and he says, "Well, sir, I'd like you know uh, I don't see that you have a license. I need to see your license." All right. Well, I'm fishing by right. I don't need a license. Now uh, that's a fact. Okay. Now, now, what, what, for what purpose I might be fishing? Let's say, you know, I got one hook and one pole, and I'm saying I'm fishing, and that that presumes from my point that I'm going to catch that fish, and I'm either going to take it home or I'm going to let it go. That's my choice. I can do whatever I want. Uh, but he comes up and says he wants to see my license and registration. All right. Well, am I under arrest? Because the only reason you might have to be talking to me is if I'm doing something criminal. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not. I don't believe anyone would, would even say that it looks like I am. So, uh, you know, the, uh, immediately he's venturing into a place where he doesn't belong. He's, he's talking to me, and he can talk to me all he wants. You see, he can even ask me if I do I have a license. But I don't have to answer him. Right. I don't, I, I, there's no there's no expectation that I'm doing this any criminal act. He's got, in other words, no probable cause. This is our requirement under the force. So, 
so there we have an agent who's coming up, and, and right now he's trying to, you know, he, he's creating a problem for me. But so far he hasn't really done any harm, right? He says, oh, okay. I say, you know, pound sand. I don't have to show you a license. I'm fishing by right. All right, sir, you have a nice day. Walks away. No harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. All right, but then when he says, okay, sir, well, if you don't have a license, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to uh, issue you a citation. Well, in California, the citation is a misdemeanor. That's six months in jail and a $1,000 fine. Mm. And it's called arrest without a warrant. He's got no probable cause. A bill of attainment. We can look at it like that, yeah. You can say that. But uh, what I don't don't particularly view it that way. I I, I call it arrest without a warrant. I just call it what the Fourth Amendment says it is. It's arrest okay. without a warrant because he doesn't have a warrant. He's got no reason to talk. He's got no order. Nobody ordered him to come talk to me, and his duty under the Constitution is clear. Unless he wit, you know, he didn't witness a crime for which he could stop me. So we have a problem. He issues a citation. All right. Now I have a choice. I can, at that point in time, I can either object. Or I can uh, and say, well, sir, you know, uh, uh, I demand to be taken immediately before a magistrate. I want an immediate determination. You and me are going to go to court, and you're going to tell that judge what you did. And I'm going to tell that judge I want a determination of the probable cause for arrest without a warrant. If you're in custody, which you are, if he takes you there, you've been arrested. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a warrant, so his his actions are automatically presumed unreasonable, and they're presumed unreasonable because he's required to have a warrant signed by a judge. There's the problem, and this is what the the writ is all about. All right. So now lots of people will say they can't do that. Well, the hell they can't. They do it all day long. (laughs) That's it. They do it all day long. So our problem isn't that that they can't do it. The problem is they did. Now, what do we do about it? All right. Now, right. But, you know, if you're going to walk into the legislative... Okay, now we, now let's, let's jump back a little bit here. Okay, when I say common law, I mean constitution. When I say constitution, I mean government. When I say mm-hmm. constitution, I mean rights, and I mean duties. So there we go. We got a controversy between two parties. The officer, who's a public official, and me, the natural person who has rights. Correct. And I posted, yeah, I posted on the site today on uh, on there. I posted about the uh, rights and uh, and duties of uh, with uh, and a, why uh, why a uh, why you can never get a legal. Uh, uh, excuse me, why you can't get a remedy in in that court that that person is bringing you into. And uh, I took a clip from a section that I read out of a World Bank book called The Puppet Masters. It's a bank report. And they make a definition here, uh, which which is important to understand. Uh, It states that natural person versus legal person And uh, they say the first noteworthy and unequivocal element in the definition is that a beneficial owner 
is always a natural person. A legal person cannot, by definition, be a beneficial owner. The definition, therefore, also speaks of ultimate control. A legal person can never be the ultimate controller. Ownership by a legal person itself is always controlled by a natural person. Now, if you take that sentence, right, the way they break this down, they're talking about, they're talking about several things all at the same time, and they're all fundamental to the writ of manimus process. Okay, they make a, a statement about what's called a legal maxim, that a legal person cannot by definition be a beneficial owner. So in the writ, one of the requirements is that you, in order to bring the action at common law, must be the beneficially interested party. Mm. Okay, that's number one. You must be the beneficially interested party. And then the other part of it is that you must have no other speedy, adequate remedy in the ordinary course of law. All right, so we'll get to that second part. But while we're talking about the first part here, and what they say is that only a natural person has rights. Correct. Okay, the other individual who is a legal person, the guy that walked up to you, while he in himself is a natural person, he is acting in a capacity of a legal person when he approaches you. Agent, so, agent. yeah. So uh, there's the controversy. All right, the legal person has has infringed upon your right to the property you own as the beneficial owner of the rights in the Constitution. That is, is, is what now becomes the um, substantial conflict between the two parties. You, you have a, a, a situation which requires a judicial determination of the rights and duties of the parties. And we do that by a thing called complaint for declaratory relief, which we incorporate into the writ. It is not in and of itself a part of the writ, but it is an important element that we add to the ones that we do. So there it is. We've defined the two parties. We've got the, the person who is uh, uh, the legal person, and we've got the natural person. Now, now at that point, Okay, also, it says here, you know, and this is a part where people are talking about that we've surrendered rights or that it has anything to do with my character, who I am, uh, you know, the, I have a social security number or I have a driver's license or um, a bank account. None of that matters when you're a natural person. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. it's, not a, it's not about you. The you we're talking about is is a fact. It's established. You're a living, breathing person. Now, when we and the only that's the only one who can raise the issue. Now, if you're in the legislative court, it what 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 uh, everybody's talking about is being necessarily a a, what, a military court or an admiralty court or or some other function of a court. It's all, in fact, Article One court of the Constitution. 
that's legislative rules called where they have you have uh, are subject to privileges and immunities, privileges and immunities. Well, those aren't rights. So in that in that context, in those courts, in that area, everything is open to interpretation. It's liberally construed to the benefit of the person beneficially interested in that in that uh, area of law, which is the state. Right? The state does, in fact, control all the persons. They're responsible for all the persons. And in that area of law, when you walk in there, the presumption is that you are a legal person. Nobody's arguing that. I'm not arguing that because I'm saying that's true. So what, our, what the writ about is to remove your any presumption that you have a status or standing as a legal person in a legislative court and bring it into the common law court and have them then answer as the legal person against your standing at law, which is the Constitution, by right. In other words, we're using the supreme law, the law that stated that you, that whenever they use, whenever they violate their duty to follow the law, they've caused you irreparable harm, and you're entitled to relief. So, yeah. So we turn the tables and put it into the proper court. You have to go back, going back to the three branches of of the government. They're operating in the legislative side, and they can make all the rules they want for for legal persons whom they presume to have control over. But the judicial branch side of the government is the one that has judicial power. They're the ones who decide whether or not the legislative branch has to follow the law. So when these issues are raised before them, and and the issue that we're talking about is specific about a natural person individual who has rights that is claiming that another legal person has violated their duty and not protected that right and in so doing created damage for which you're entitled to a right to relief and to be paid damages, then that whole issue turns around. All those presumptions about your status or standing become uh, irrelevant except for one that you are real, and the other, that the court has to, has to decide the controversy. So that, that so, it really gets, yeah. So what you We're saying all, is, you, what you're right. saying is all these other, like, name changes, assumed names, and DBAs, they're irrelevant to the fact that just doing a writ will bring forth all those issues in one. Yep. Well, it disposes of all those presumptions and any argument about them. This is the uh, this is the, the 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 problem is that we're when you're in the uh, legislative side of the court, you have an issue because they can change those rules any time they want, and they do all the time. The one thing that doesn't change in this country is the Constitution. And I'll I'll tell you this, it has never changed since it was written down. Not our rights. No, not, and they never will. 
the the bill of rights that were that were enumerated for the people just to be sure that uh, that these people uh, in government legislatures understand that we are the ones who have the rights and that when they violate them that they're uh that they're uh subject to uh court action against them for damages um that is where our uh, real, that's where the judicial power comes in and this is the thing that people are not doing all right if you want to win in the uh in the court it has to one be your court and two you have to be the plaintiff now you could think of a traffic ticket like this okay it's almost identical to a writ of mandamus all right uh the the traffic officer pulls you over for speeding writes down that you're speeding puts down the number of his speed radar and all his information and then writes a little note you know he makes a note saying this is what happened and then he uh gives you a a ticket looks and send and says okay show up in court and show cause why you should not have to pay this uh this uh penalty and then if you you either decide yeah i should have to pay it because i'm guilty or that uh you can go in there and argue well you know uh he did this wrong and he did that wrong and and uh and i shouldn't have to pay that or i shouldn't have to pay that much but nevertheless nevertheless you're still going to have to answer and show cause and and mostly people lose but excuse me the uh the writ is very similar we have the parties we have the issue we have the the require the the rules and uh then we're asking the court to make a ruling to determine it but the the, uh, the big difference is that in the writ these uh issues are not open to interpretation because they're operating under maxims of law the writ operates in maxims of law these are laws and decisions about issues that are so well settled over time that they're not open to debate and they're not open to argument and uh let me see if i can pull up some of it one of them is that where where you've been damaged you have a right to remedy that's it when you're doing you've been damaged you have a right to a remedy and that uh that's what they actually accusing us with when we when they when they charge us with speeding or seat belt what they're actually saying is we harm the society because i just i'm going to court now on a a dwls and a possession of marijuana and on my uh affidavit complaint i got from the police report he's the witness there's a notary that notarized his statement but there's no signature for the complainant. But it says in the head and up ahead above, it says the victims are the state of Florida and the city of Fort Lauderdale. Right. Well, so, so I'll never be able to, to cross cross examine the state of Florida or the city of Fort Lauderdale because they are an entity and the entity can do no thing. Yep, it's a legal person. Legal persons don't have rights, so how could you, yeah, how could you, you know, 
who's the real benefit? Who has the real beneficial interest there? Who's the beneficially interested party? The natural person. That's right, and there isn't one of those, right? That's the people. All right, but the people can't be injured because injuries, those injuries have to be individual. Only an individual can raise his rights because only an individual can be injured. So uh, so now you can see that, you know, everybody's going, well, this doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, I can't put the people on the stand, as you said. So you can see, uh, automat- this is why we say there is no remedy whatsoever in that legislative court. Therefore, you can't win in that court. So what court are you going to go to? Were you arrested with a warrant? Nope. All right. Wait, what <laughs> What does the Fourth Amendment say? You have to have no a person. warrant with the person name on it, place to search, the thing to be searched, and where to be searched. Yeah, and the probable cause. And when they ride up on you in the middle of nowhere, they have no clue who you are, so they couldn't have got a warrant. With your name on it. Or probable cause. Right. Yeah, weaving on the road is not probable cause. And in fact, uh, drunk or not, if nobody got hurt, nobody got hurt. (laughs) Yeah, you know, people, drunks against mad mothers will not. I'm sorry, go ahead. Because the Texas driving code says speeding entails an accident. If you can't correct, if you can correct your your speed and not have an accident, you're not speeding. But if you cannot correct it in time, it is considered speeding because you had an accident. Well, only drivers can speed. <laughs> True, not travelers. Okay. Now, all right. So where did they get the presumption that you are a driver? Assumption. He was assuming, which is not probable cause. Right. All right, now, is that can that presumption exist when uh, when the when the charges arrest without a warrant? No, sir. There you go. All right, you got it. See, it's not about what you did; it's about what they did first. It's always about the cop, and it's always about what they did, and it's always arrest without a warrant, ninety-nine percent of the time. Now, there are 1% of the time where they have a warrant, and then it's about the warrant is invalid. Therefore, it was arrest without a warrant. Just a little bit of mm-hmm. difference. All right, there's almost no times, almost. I mean, you know, there's a lot of murders and stuff that go on. Those are crimes. Those people should be punished, and this writ will not help them. Correct. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and it, and it shouldn't. They cannot get, you cannot get out of a crime. If you did a crime, then you're going to be punished. The common law writ will not help you. Nevertheless, you've not been charged with a crime. You've been accused of a presumption. Mm-hmm. All right, Make so the only, the only way we've found is to take it out. You've got to get out of their court and go start your own court and sue the guy who did the damage. Arrest without a warrant. I'll, I'll give you a couple of, of, uh, of the uh, maxims here, all right? When we're talking about rights, okay, where there is a right, there is a remedy. This is uh, 
It's called, in Latin, uh, ubi just ibi remedium. And it, it goes you know, back hundreds, if not thousand years. Uh, in fact, it, all, it goes all the way back to the time of creation, in fact. The general rule is that civil courts shall take cognizance of all suits of a civil nature, and then that says code of civil procedure. If the plaintiff has a right, he must of necessity have a means to vindicate and maintain it and a remedy if he is injured in the exercise or enjoyment of it. Indeed, it is a vain thing to imagine a right without a remedy, for want of right and want of remedy are reciprocal. Okay, we, again, are the natural person who has a right. There, there must, therefore, be a remedy. The remedy mm-hmm. is rid of mandamus at common law. It is the only remedy. It's the only time that you can turn it around and make the person who has a mandatory, non-discretionary ministerial duty answer for why he arrested you without a warrant and show cause that he, in fact, had probable cause to arrest you. Because we didn't have that, and he didn't have, and we're not talking about weaving, and we're not talking about the civil rules. Those things don't apply now. All right, where are they going to get that information and put it before the court? They have to bring the warrant. Mm-hmm. Right, his Maybe. statement about something he saw that ain't going to cut it because he's not a damaged party. Correct. He doesn't have a right, so he can't bring it. So, so what the police, what the officer is doing is he's wearing two hats in the field. He's playing the witness and the victim, but when he goes to the DA's office with his paperwork, he shares the victim hat and keep the witness hat and he comes back as a witness against you when the state is trying to prosecute prosecute you which is all again is unconstitutional well it's only unconstitutional against a natural person see or 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 somebody who's under uh let's say for example that you were licensed Let's say you're, uh, let's say you're a UPS driver, or you're a truck driver, and you've got, you know, you've got uh, five thousand gallons of gasoline, and you're towing it around on our highway. Well, we definitely want to have some control over those people. And that's what, yeah, that is why they're licensed because they are, in fact, operating as they say in commerce, right? They're using our highways to uh, make money and they're responsible for always operating in a safe manner. They're under the the legislative rule under Article 1 and are required to follow those rules. And they would be damaging the state if they mess up and the people because the purpose of government is to protect our rights. We as the people use the common roads to travel, to go to grannies or go to church and so we can't have a bunch of uh, truck drivers driving around drunk, killing people. That, in fact, is injuring us, the people. So it makes sense, right? You need that. But you don't need it on now. They, now they're apply, when, they, when they just apply it to everyone, 
Well, we have to have a remedy. You're right. Okay, because, now it's just, yeah. You're right because Florida just made the uh, marijuana medicinal here in Florida. Okay, my county, Broward, they also took the leisure to accept the preemptory law from the state. But now here, the city, they, they, they took it upon themselves to deny the preemptory law that the county and the state had placed before them. So so it's kind of like unconstitutional again, no probable cause. Well, this is where the third branch of, of judicial, the judicial branch, which has power, they have judicial power. Those other, those other courts that are created there are all legislative courts. They don't, in fact, have judicial power to order, to order anything. Uh, they can order the fines and the fees and all that stuff, but, you know, where, 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 we're, where we're brought into that court and we're not objecting to it, that, that you know, there, 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 you can't really, you can't. There is no f- way to object to the jurisdiction of that court in that court. That's why you have to block them with your own uh, cause of action. And and when the action is found that the officer arrested you without a warrant and that his act was illegal, well, then of course they don't have a case. And their paper, their paper starts to lose legs. We're not saying. Right. So this, this is why we're saying what we're saying about the writ. It, it's the it. You know, uh, between my partner and I, we've done it. Been doing. It, he's been doing it 35 years, and I've been doing it for about 10 years. Um, done thousands of cases in the statutes and and uh, writs and every other thing you can think of. We've tried it all. This is the only thing that works. Now, yeah, the people the state, think, you know, the state constitution says that they um they allow a writ of mandamus prohibition to the terrier and maybe another two or so I can't call off the top of my head, but the state constitution says they allow those writs. The court can issue those writs. Right. Well, even if it doesn't say they can do it, all states, all 50 states of the United States are at common law. All those statutes of law are founded on the common law. The United States is a common law country in international law. It's it's the Kruger Kruger doctrine here in Florida. It's the common law. Uh, Well, it's the Constitution. (laughs) The supreme law of the land is the common law. It says in it, right in it, that the people have the right to redress grievances. Right. It's a right. It can't be denied. Now, the, the way, okay, another por- portion of the common law is the court rules. All right. So, yeah, they can try and make rules for how they want the courts to handle it. But those rules, like, for example, you know they they have a lot of rules, but they they there's two forms 
of the writ. One of them is statutory, legislative, called a uh, uh, statutory writ of mandamus, or what they'll just call writ of mandamus. And then there's a common law writ of mandamus. You need the common law writ. The common law writ is the one that brings the judicial power, not the statutory one. But in effect, uh, you know, the the uh, when you're when you're operating, sometimes the uh, administrative what would be the administrative writ of mandamus can be an effective tool. Just like sometimes, if you're in a court case in the legislative court, and uh, it's been 60 days and you still haven't been brought to trial on a misdemeanor, well, you can use that legislative rule to win the case. You know, I mean, there I'm, are rules. I was going to say that, like you said, the guy that drives the tanker truck, if he have a situation in the course of his day or duty, he can use a statutory writ to, to win his case. A common law writ wouldn't help him because he's working, operating in a stat, statutory, which is commercial. So he would need, like you said, a statutory writ versus a common law writ, which is dealing with a natural person. Well, yes and no. Uh, if Okay, let's not forget, though, that that individual is still a natural person. And he has all his rights. He can't be arrested without a warrant either. So regardless of the fact that he's operating in a commercial capacity, they still they still have to follow the law, and uh, and so in a, in a way you could almost say that they really can't control the people. Uh, they you can because, they, you're right because you cannot leave a natural person home. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the natural person got in that gas truck. Now now the question is crime. Did he commit a crime? Now, in fact, into the matter, and, and like I started to say earlier, the, the drunks against mad mothers do not like it uh, when people like me say this, but uh, in fact, the truth, until uh, somebody who is driving drunk actually hurts somebody, they, they really haven't broken the law. No, yeah, no, it, that time. no, 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 there is no, there is no party to who could uh, uh, receive a remedy. So therefore, when the state stands up as the plaintiff, they're not the real party of interest, which is under the Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 17. There, yeah, you can. They're not. Well, no, that okay. The okay. When you have a writ, there are in a writ, unlike uh, uh, which is always a special proceeding, not an action at law. The action at law has two parties: the plaintiff and the defendant. Uh, uh, or, but at a at a common law writ or a writ, you're going to have the petitioner, the respondent, and the real party in interest. Now, the the real party in interest is always the state in any of our writs, although it doesn't have to be. Uh, if there's a different action, like if you're trying to do something else, but to just keep it simple. Uh, the real party in interest is always the people of the state. And that's going to be either the attorney general or the district attorney, depending on which agency it was, uh, which legal person it was that violated their duty and in so doing violated your rights 
and those two things are, are uh, uh, they go together with each other. So uh, uh, violation of a duty uh, re- requires that there always be someone else who they had who had a right. Duties are correlative of rights. Rights are correlative of duties. Where a right is violated, it's always correlated that there was someone who violated it. And so, uh, with respect to, uh, kind of lost that train of thought there, sorry. We're, we're talking about, oh, the people of the state, the real party in interest, and three parties. Yeah, so the real party in interest is, uh, is going to be the people of the state, either uh, the state attorney general or the district attorney depending on the agency. So if it's your local police department, then uh, it's your uh, county district attorney, or if, if it's your uh, uh, sheriff's department, then it's going to be that. But if, uh, if it was, uh, let's say, the state board of equalization, or uh, it was some other state agency, then it, or, or it's a judge, then it's going to be the attorney general. Whenever you're dealing with judges for the writ, uh, you, you're always going to have it be the, the attorney general. But for for our purposes, uh, at original writ and common law, it's almost, if not always, never the judge. I know this is hard for people to believe, but the judge is not the one who's who brought the action, so it can't be the judge who's doing you wrong. You got to start. Mm-hmm. Where, where it started. People don't like to hear that because they get into a court case. And the yeah. Yeah, and he's following the rules. Now, they, I've had them uh, tell me that I don't... And the rule that they're following is... Uh, I was just looking it up here. Is the rule of liberal interpretation of the statute. The statutes... And uh, I'll read you a couple of things here if I can pull it up real quick. Off of the... Right, the judge is the uh, trier of fact, and the prosecutor the trier of case. So whenever the trier of case presents something, the judge has to to accept it as truth if it's not rebutted or anything else presented to rebut it. Right, and they do all that according to the rules of the legislature by liberal interpretation. All right, in our California Civil Code, and I'm sure this is true in every state in the union, it talks about your civil code. Okay, the, uh, the civil code here says that the rule of the common law, that the statutes and derogation thereof are to be strictly construed, has no application to this code. This code establishes the law of this state respecting the subjects to which it relates, and its provisions are to be liberally construed with a view to affect its objects and to promote justice. All right, we've got subjects to which it relates and liberal construction to affect the, its objects. Well, you know, for our, for our parts and purposes, when they enacted this in 1872 here in California, uh, that... that uh, tells you that you know all of the all of the statutes are are construed according to the common law they are the statutized statements of common law maxims which require those things like i've said that where there's a right there has to be a remedy where uh that uh, 
but they can they can take those things and somewhat uh, and twist them up and use them to their effect its objects, which is for the state to make more money and get more control. Uh, I think it's, it's I think not, the UCC I think the UCC one three oh six point six states something to the same thing where it says UCC or the statutes of code are complementary to the common law. Yep. Well you'll also find that uh it's in every code. It's in the government code. It's in the commercial code of California. It's in the penal code. It says the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. Because the, the the state of California started out as a common law state in 1849, and we had a we had our constitution, and and so uh, they converted it to a code pleading state, just like New York, like many other states, and uh, and in doing so, they only reserved to the people the writ of mandamus. It it also you see they can't do away with the foundation of law. But they they can just take it. And now my my partner says this all starts right in right after the Constitution was signed. They put in the, the Judiciary Act, which allowed Congress to create the courts in the Article One throughout the country, which appear to have judicial power. They're exactly the same as our constitutional common law courts that existed at that time. Uh, and they didn't like the fact that only the courts had had judicial power. So they created those courts to have that appearance and to operate as that in that in that way uh, for the creatures that they create, which are the corporations and and all the other uh, state agencies and and the the three letter agencies and five letter agencies, all those people persons that are under that system of law and that. Uh, uh, judicial manner of, of organizing it are, and, and controlling it. Uh, Article One courts, those are the administrative courts and all the administrative actions. So, so all they, what they've really done is that over time, the people have been uh, slowly drawn into this through ignorance and, and uh, misunderstanding, and this includes lawyers and judges. People of the, of, of, of the nation have been duped. They believe law. You know, we know that the that the lit the legislative acts. Uh, that's not law. It's only prima facie evidence of law, but it is all rebuttable. Right. Now you rebut it. You can rebut it by coming in to your court at common law with with the writ, and uh, in in your proper person. Okay, no lawyers here. You are in pro per proper you are proper and so that's that's your standing you're you're you, the first element as i said in the beginning was that you must be the beneficially interested party for the writ to issue the next element of the writ must issue is uh that you have no other plain speedy adequate remedy in the ordinary course of law so for example um, uh, if your case has been decided you were convicted you did an appeal and you lost and uh and you're on probation and then all of a sudden you go well wait a minute they never had a warrant when they arrested me for this Mm -hmm. okay well then you can't possibly have any other speedy adequate remedy at law 
Exhausted. You exhausted all your avenues, your administrative. Thank knowledge. you. Now, that, exactly that. It falls under. You know, the writ falls under that which they've they've statutized as a doctrine of exhaustion of administrative remedy. So, uh, well, where rights are concerned, there can be no administrative remedy. It's a self-effecting thing. You don't even have to uh, show that. Uh, you're required that you are even required to give them a notice because they operate as as public officials under the Constitution. They are noticed and required to accept that notice at the time that they accepted their oath. They already they already know. They've all, they already know they can't you know you don't have to exhaust that. So uh, uh, and in the did you see the book that I posted on the on the Facebook? The Law uh, of, Ma- of Mandamus. I'm going to have to go back and check. Yeah. Are you a member of the um, the Judicial Power Hour group? Yes, I am. Okay. Then it's on our it's on our uh, it's on our pay, uh, group. It's called Law of Mandamus. And when you read that, that's the best book I've ever seen. It's from 1882. It's about American uh, common law writs. And uh, it describes in great detail all of the elements of the writ. Now, in looking at, well, okay, a writ requires two things. Uh, it requires, well, three, three things for sure. It requires proper service of the parties. It requires uh, that you've got to be the beneficial interested party and that you have no other remedy at law. And it requires that you uh, put in with the writ, a memorandum of points and authorities. And uh, so when you look at the fundamental elements of the, uh, of the writ itself, uh, the, another one of which is that the, the respondent, the one that you're saying has a, has a duty, the duty that they have must be uh, a ministerial, non-discretionary, duty of a public official and it need it must be the individual who can be made to do what it is that they're required to do um so uh it that can be you know it's really not as difficult as it sounds uh and in the case of an officer a, a police officer in any criminal charge where no warrant was issued and even if it was you can challenge that uh, then, then you know who you're talking about that guy and the warrant uh, when I did I did I discovered a lot of this by trial and error as to who the parties are how you know it, it seems obvious now but when you go through it I, I started out with the writ by uh, they came and uh, garnished my wages I had a job I was getting a paycheck, and they said, well, you got an old speeding ticket here from 2012, and uh, you didn't pay it. So now that you have a job, we're going to garnish your wages. And they did. And so I wrote the Franchise Tax Board a letter, and, and I called them, and uh, they never responded, and all the stuff that people do, and uh, made me mad. They kept taking my money. Uh, so I used the administrative procedures that were available to me, 
within that context in the in that system to get all the stuff reduced to the minimum. And then I filed a writ of animus ex parte against Selvi Stanislaus, the chief executive officer of the Franchise Tax Board of the State of California. And two days later, her attorney, the number three person in the Attorney General's Office of the State of California, was answering to the judge with me present why they were taking my money. Now, I don't... I defy anybody else to tell me how they did that. I don't know anybody else who's done that. And when I did that, okay, the first time, excuse me, the first time I did that, it failed because I failed to serve the parties. And the that um, mistake, yeah, I didn't serve her. And, the, and uh, because I was under the impression that when you're doing an ex parte, uh, uh, because of a previous experience with doing it on a domestic abuse ex parte restraining order, which doesn't require service, okay, that I could bring her into the court. But but this is this goes back to the common law maxim that that every party must have notice and opportunity. So if you don't serve the parties, they won't hear it. Now they'll follow yeah. it. Your yeah, notice is prima facie evidence. All right, and the clerk will file it. But when you get to court, the judge will go, well, you didn't serve him. Boom, done, dismissed. So that, so I did the same thing, but I, this time I served it, and this time uh, 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 everybody showed up. And, uh, and again, at the ex parte hearing, I thought, okay, well, why? Uh, the judge says, okay, well, what do we got going here? He says, he talks to the lawyer from the attorney general's office, and uh, she says, well, judge, uh, we're just doing what we're required to do. We're not violating our duty. We've got the tax code, 19,724 or something, that says that it's the duty of the franchise tax board director to collect the taxes that are due against the state. And mm-hmm. I said, yeah, but uh, uh, but these, um, these fines and fees here, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Dick, the uh, the case is void because there was never a warrant issued in the case under under the penal code, which says that a uh, warrant has to issue. And uh, uh, she goes, well, but the judgment's still good. And if it's a good judgment, then, uh, then we win. And the judge said, she's right. And I got mad. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought about what she said, and I thought about what the judge said, and I, I was flexible, and I decided, darn it, they're right. They're right. Uh, but then I took attack on it again, and I said, well, what about this issue? And I looked at it again, and I went at it again, and they said, nope, she's still right. I said, dang. All right, well, what's the problem? Okay, I hear what you're saying, Attorney General. You're saying that I can't make the judgment void in this way, even though it might be, and that the only way to stop you from collecting this tax is if the judgment is void. So how do I make the judgment void? Well, what happened here? Oh, arrest without a warrant. That's what happened. That's what makes the judgment void, because that cop can't break the law to come in and say, I broke the law. 
So I went to go sue him. I sued, uh, but I thought, well, wait a minute. The judgment's got to be void because the judge actually is the one who made the judgment and said I was guilty, and he did, and there was no warrant. So I sued the judge. I sued the judge in civil court the same way, had a court hearing, all ex parte within two days, Got the judge, got in there, and the judge says, "Well, I can't hear that. That guy's my buddy." And every judge in the county uh, dis, uh, um, disqualified themselves. So that put me into having to have a judge from another county come once a month to get it argued. Took a couple of times, got it in there, and uh, then the judge says, "Well, there's no record. I wish I had a record." Uh, but in traffic court, they don't create a record. It's not a court of record in California. And so he says, well, then, uh, no, I'm not going to give it to you. I got really mad about that. I thought, well, that's a bunch of horse crap. So, okay, but then I thought about it. I thought about it, what he's saying. He's saying, uh, you, you didn't give me enough. So I went, and instead, I sued the judge again at the writ in the right court. And I got an answer. And the answer was, you can't make the judge sign a warrant. They can't, you can't use the writ of mandamus to make a judge exercise their discretion in any particular manner. This is a fundamental maximum of law at the writ of mandamus for common law. You've got to know that. You can't make the judge do anything even if the statute says he has to do it, even if you're arguing like I was, I wasn't arguing that the judge has to sign the warrant. I was arguing that the judge had to look at the complaint and determine if there was probable cause, which is what the statute says. But the judges come back and say, no, that's like saying that he has to do it. And even though that the statute you're talking about is mandatory, here's the, here's the good part, the mandatory language of that statute is in fact discretionary. Mm-hmm. All right, so in, in Article One courts of the legislature, including the court that you're going to be brought into, all rules that say must means must and all rules that say shall means must shall don't actually correct. mean that. No, I don't mean that. No. That's not what it means. In our court, we can make it mean whatever we need for it to mean. Because you can't make us sign a warrant. Okay. You see, so there's no remedy there possible. It's not a remedy because you can't, it's not the judge. Well, going back, who was it? It's the cop. It's the cop. The cop is the one who did the deed. The cop is the one who didn't have any authority of a judicial power to make you do anything. That's this is what we have The fruit of the poison tree. Got to go back to the, the root of all, all the things, which is, like you say, the cops. Yes. Yeah, another maxim. He brought a fraudulent, brought a fraudulent case in and didn't prove his um, burden of uh, proof. Well. Which is called nature and cause. He brought a nature, but then he didn't bring a cause. <laughs> okay, I look at it. Uh, yeah, uh, like I said, all that's true, and none of it matters. He arrested <laughs> me without a warrant in violation of the Constitution. 
Judge, make him bring a warrant. And if you can't do it, pay me. How about that? Make him make him show cause why he arrested me without a warrant. We got a controversy here, Judge. I say he's got to have a warrant, and he says he doesn't. Well, I'm bringing the Constitution, the highest law of the land, that says right here, our in in the our Fourth Amendment, got to have a warrant. Oh, and what about my due process rights, Judge? What about the right to you know due process in the Fifth Amendment? I didn't get that either. Yeah, he violated his duty. He didn't properly do this stuff. Not just that. that we're to, not just that. We're supposed to go straight to the magistrate court. Not That's judge. right. Well, yeah, he didn't do that either. So there's how we how we know. That's what the issue is. It's what everybody misses. Uh, I got my friend Rich Iverson. Do you ever go on Angela's call? Angela no. Stark on... Uh, her call is my private audio. You should write that down. My, talk to you, myprivateaudio.com. She's on every Thursday at 6 o'clock. She's been doing it for about six years. She's got hundreds of calls. And, uh, I, think I, heard, and I think I heard some of her audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, po- I, I posted an audio from my first talk to you about this on her call. Her call was the first one where I came out and started bringing out the information. Uh, and, and I want to point out also, this is not my information. <coughs> Excuse me. My uh, partner and mentor, Zeke Lehman, is... Matter of fact, I think I was, I was listening to that call when you was on her show. I just didn't know who, who, she, were, who, who she was. Oh, I got you. Yeah. So I want to give, you, give credit to the where credit to do that I learned what I learned from Zeke Lehman. This mm-hmm. is how I learned it. Now, now we worked together, uh, you know, after a certain point in time, after years and years, for at least for the last five years, and especially in the last two years, uh, I talked to him almost without fail every day. We talk about this every single day. We've worked it out. We go through it. We argue. We're, we, we, we fight. Uh, and and uh and some you know then we then we uh, when i say we fight you know we're we're not fighting each other we're fighting for what we what we're saying about what we're saying and and i'll tell you this you know uh 90% of the time i'm wrong you just about what I'm fighting. well i it's the reason i'm wrong is because i got mistrained i got misinformed and a lot of these things that we believe about presumption, about status, about what, who I am, and all that, it takes a long time to undo the programming. It does. It takes a very long time because it's very easy to let things slip in that don't belong there, that will cloud the issue, that will make a, a problem for how to get the remedy. But in fact, the remedy is so simple uh, if, if, if people... When people see it, they're like, oh, well, of course, of course that's the answer. How could it be anything else? Because obviously we've tried everything else and it doesn't work. So uh, in, in going back to what we learned there, okay, well, what I learned was uh, it's super important with respect to the writ. You have to define exactly who the party is that violates uh, your right 
and and name them, but we learned another thing. <coughs> Excuse me. The uh, the thing is, it's not personal. It's not personal. It doesn't matter that it was uh, uh, what, what's his name, Matthew Gates, the arresting officer who put the handcuffs on me and jacked me up and took me and put me in solitary confinement for five days and never took me before a magistrate. It doesn't matter that Matthew did that. It matters that the Orville Police Department officer, Matthew Mm -hmm. Gates, did that. That's the person we're talking about. We're not talking about... When we're talking about uh, uh, a CHP officer who does have a name and is personally responsible for what he did, but he's not, it's not a personal action. And you're not going to get a remedy because that person is the agent he works for. That's who did it. In fact, and that's who's got to pay. In fact, they're the ones with the insurance. That's why you can sue the officer in his officer capacity and he can in return turn around and sue his employer because he was misguided and didn't get full disclosure of his duties also. Probably. I mean, because as soon as he turns around, he's Matthew Gates, living natural person with rights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's me. He's you. He's the same. You know, I'm like you. You're like me. Me and you, we're the same. Uh, no matter what what uh what we are, we are people, and so uh yes, Matthew has a writ now there's into the statutes are written all of these we're talking about uh officer liability, right we're talking about uh, uh that they're immune from liability because they're doing their duty, but this is where that that's all legislative nonsense, all right. We're talking about rights and duties. We're talking about damages. And where there is a damage, there has to be a right, a relief. There has to be a remedy. That's a fact. Remedy, That's how that works. Recourse. Well, the only remedy you can get is what? Money. That's it. They can't give you your time back with your children or the time you spent in the hole. That's impossible. That's irreparable. Irreparable. So... So the uh, that's another element of what we're talking about, but it's not an element of it's not necessarily an element of the writ, but it is an element of the way we construct the writ for damages. Um, even even on a closed case. What do you mean by closed case? Uh, say something that happened years ago, seven eight years oh, ago. Oh, okay. Even on a closed case. Okay. For the closed, okay. What the way we write this thing. Okay, you can have a writ of mandamus as a people against a state agency. Like, for example, I posted the peremptory writ of mandate that was issued by the Supreme Court of California against the clerk of the city of San Francisco who was violating the Constitution by issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples. Now, that was... Uh, a, a cause of cause of it was a it was a, a special proceeding by those three people who are taxpayers, and uh, 
they have a right to relief in order. In other words, they have a right to stop her from doing it. But, uh, you know, they're not personally harmed. As a group, we the, we the people uh, don't don't like that and don't agree with it and don't want it. So we're asking, we're telling the the court has the judicial power to order that particular person, the clerk of the county court, to stop doing what they're doing because they're violating the law. And the other part, but the other thing that goes with that. When we're talking about judicial power, the power that Article One courts don't have is the power to imprison that person for violating the order. That's their contempt. You know, and they still use this in the Article One courts, right? They they issue contempt and all that, and they and they're acting without authority. And if the court was to do that to me, then uh, I would have a right. For remedy against that court for violating my right. That's arresting me without a warrant and imprisoning me without a warrant. Because <laughs> I'm not, I can't be in violation of their Article 1 rule. So, 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 a writ, so a writ can make them do a thing <coughs> and to make them not do a thing. Yes, it works both ways. And it and, works and against... Then the court, and the course that we should be in is the Article 3 court. Yes. Now, are you familiar with a guy named Rod Class? Have you ever heard of Rod Class? Yes, I heard of him. Okay. Well, Rod Rod Class has spent a lot of time and effort, and I have a great deal of respect for Rod and what he's done. But he's talking about, well, where is the Article Three court? And he has a lot of theories about how that works. And uh, that, you know, it's a district court, but it's a different window. It's, It's not, you know, that's not it at all. This is what we found. It's not that. The Article Three Court, as far as we're concerned, is the lowest court called the Superior Court in the state because that's the court that has the judicial power over those agents and agencies that are within its, within, within its uh, power. Now, there's also an Article Three Court at the Appellate Court. These are the original jurisdictions. There's another one at the Supreme Court. They're all Article Three courts, courts of record at common law. They all have the Article Three judicial power, and they can all use it when they when it's invoked. But it's only invoked when a when a natural person who has rights invokes it. There's your Article Three. You're the Supreme Court justice. You're the Article. You're the court. <laughs> You're just invoking it, that judicial power that they have to solve the problem. We've got a problem, Judge, and I need you to uh, use the judicial power that the people have granted, that are, you know, you know, the sovereignty rests in the people. And, 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 we, the people, and we the people don't know we have that power to invoke the court, so therefore we never get such remedy. Right. And it's not, we the people are not sovereign. We're not, you know, there's no, you know, that's, there's no sovereignty. The people itself well, aren't. I, well, I, when, I, when I say I we the people, I say we individually, the people, yeah, don't no, know no, that. I was, uh, I'm sorry. I was, no, I think uh, what I meant to say, that I didn't mean to say it like you said something wrong. You didn't. What I'm saying is, is that, that a lot of people make this mistake, that I'm sovereign. Well, No. No, no, the people are sovereign. We as a group are sovereign within this government. 
and we together have individual rights that are enumerated that, that you know we didn't get our rights from the constitution we got our rights from god those rights have been there forever uh we've just expressed them and created a form of government where we can exercise judicial power over those institutions that operate under our sovereignty that's been granted to it as a group so so our our uh let's go back a little bit more on this we were talking about okay we're talking about a duty and that that duty has to be in the writ we're talking about a uh, a person who has a duty and that duty is non-discretionary and it's mandatory and it's ministerial in character and and for our purposes that ministerial duty that's non-discretionary and mandatory is uh is something that has to be applied to that exact person who just happens to be an individual in the situation where we're raising the issue so it is matthew gates who did it and that is important or it is the uh the cop that pulled you over that's yeah he is the one who is actually being held accountable for his actions except that he's not liable for the financial consequences which is the only remedy you can receive he has insurance through his agency he's personally right. covered and that's why it's not him personally unless something happened between you and him personally like for example it's never the judge unless the judge jumps off the bench and punches you in the nose well then now it's the judge you know and that becomes a tort uh against the judge you have you know that's between you and him but let he me, didn't let do me it as can i can i say the issue what's actually happening in my situation the yeah officer sure, go ahead. That, the officer that arrested me on august 11 2016 i told him that he was in violation of this and that all crimes are commercial 27 cfr 72.11 and I'll tell us some other things, but as I've been rebutting these, the charges access for nature and cause of the allegation against me, they haven't been moving forward. But now, it's long story short, he retired February 2017. And this is a young guy, 28 years old. Uh-huh. I want him, did they force him to resign or retire that matter of fact, something to that case? Because of the issues, I'm not really issue, but that I'm challenging the, uh, the issues. Hard to say. I mean, you know, it's all mm -hmm. speculation, right? I, I do. I can tell you this about that. It doesn't matter if he retired for our purposes. Right. Well, right, my right. guy doesn't. My guy doesn't work for the agency that uh, at anymore. But he's still the name party even though right. it was five five years ago it was him <laughs> and he worked for him then so he works for him now it's all the same so for that yeah. part i mean I, you know i struggled with that we had to go through that we had to figure that out what do we do where the guy what do you do when it's an irs agent that seized property without a warrant 30 years ago mm -hmm. on a fake lien under article one where they have okay can they seize property without a warrant hell no there is a, you know this tax nonsense you start breaking it all down let's get back to our rights they can't they you know I, I use this phrase loosely they can't do it but they did so what are you going to do about it 
What do you do even, about it? Even the Ad Valerium Homestead taxes is not proper. We just have to challenge it. Well, no, you know, no tax can be levied against the people. <laughs> that's that's not, uh, uh, excuse me, I, tax is not my big deal. Uh, my partner knows hell a lot about it, but uh, but it has to be apportioned, right? Across so the board. So you can't, you can, yeah, you can't do it. You can't do personal tax against me. An income tax. Well, for one thing, I don't have income. I never have. Mm. Not one. Not one time in my whole life. So you know, I can't be subject to a tax that I'm not subject to, and I can't be. Uh, prosecuted for not paying something that I uh, that I had no duty to pay. But that's a subject for another issue. Uh, I would also say that, you know, okay, if, with usually people want to talk about what's going on with their stuff, how it can help you. And uh, so with if you're considering doing this cause of action, which I would strongly encourage you to, you know, if it was me, and in my case, this is what I'm doing, I'm not telling you to do it, but I'm telling you it's what I'm doing. Uh, and uh, I filed mine uh, on the 13th of December. And I actually filed it on the 12th, but they misfiled it by one day, which is fine. Uh, I got a good working relationship with the clerks and the judge. And so uh, I, I'm coming up on decision for for the for whether or not they're going to uh, issue the alternative writ of mandate sometime this week or sometime in the next uh, 67 days, the judge has now now they're they're abusing their authority. I'll tell you this: that uh, remedy uh, uh, that justice delayed is justice denied, and in fact, the writ itself is an ex parte order. It's an, it's an ex parte petition for request for an immediate order. So they're delaying, in, in our case, one, because I've filed about 10 of them here <laughs> in my local court, each time learning, not, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't wrong with the writ. They filed every one of them. So the writ is proper before the court. But the issue wasn't always right, and the party wasn't always right. So I believe that, in fact, this is the first time where the party is correct, the issue is correct, and the service is correct. But they're, they're uh, dragging their feet because these are very busy people. The judge herself sometimes will do 130 cases a day. So I, have, I understand that uh, it may take a minute for them to get it done, but I believe they will get it done and they will get it done correctly, and that the writ will issue. In which case, then, they got nowhere to go. Um, nowhere to go. And, uh, and when, when people learn that this is the way... Well, that's the reason I'm on the call tonight, because I've seen this one, I've seen the, uh, the post. I said, let me give him a call and see what I can learn. Actually, I was planning to listen and learn and happen. So I, uh, I heard. Did I? I sound like I heard you say Florida call. I said, "Are you talking to me?" <laughs> right. Well, I got I got California on here too, who's been 
just sitting there listening. I'm not sure who California is. If they want to chime in, uh, yeah, the call is unmuted. Let me hear what California, I might learn some more because they may have a more precise question, you know, different than I have. So I can learn from them. But I'm here, so I'm very much interested. I'm going to go to my local um, courthouse law, law library and pull up the mint on the rent, man. Damn it, and see what I can get. Well, I could save I, I could save you a trip. I posted the best book you'll ever find on Facebook. Read it. Tells you everything you need to know. There's nothing else to go look for. It's all right there. And then you ask questions, and I'll answer them. It's really that simple. I mean, I'm not kidding. You're not going to find a better book than the one I just posted. It explains it all. The hardest part for people in this is, is the thing that I, you know, that I spent the last 10 years learning how to do. Write motions and put them before the court. If you know how to do that already then you're miles ahead of anybody because that's the thing where everybody says, well, why don't you just give me the writ? Well, you know, why don't I just give you my car and my wife while I'm at it? You know, hey, I worked hard for this stuff. I don't have to give it away, but I'm not opposed to telling everybody anything I know about it and teaching them what I know. You guys, everybody's going to have to take their lumps and learn how to do it too. Otherwise, it won't mean anything. Right. It won't be, you know, you know, it's, uh, you know uh, that's, that's kind of just, you know, people say that selfish one. I don't know. The workman's worthy of his hire. You follow the body. Well, not just that, though. They must have to um, be able to defend it, too. So you just can't give it to them. They have to earn it. Have to be studied. Right. And, and the truth of the matter is, is you know, I've had people that have asked me about it, and 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 they, and uh, I put a, a thing up on there. I said, anybody that wants a copy of it, you know, if they want to make a donation to my buddy who lost his house and send him a couple hundred bucks or 250 bucks, I'll give it to you. Because we're in desperate straits and, and uh, uh, nobody took us up on it. And mostly, uh, a lot of people, in fact, most people thought, well, that's just a terrible idea and I'm a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's the thing about that. I'm also a natural person. I'll give a crap what they think. I live my life the way I live it according to my own moral code and that code is the Bible. My Bible tells me what to do. If people don't like it, you know, don't cast your pearls before swine. But, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to make anybody love Jesus and all that. I'm just saying, you know, common law is the Bible. Bible's common law. This is how it works. It, it, you know, it's, it's a... Uh, let me tell you a little bit more about the, the way I do it. All right, the... Uh, the other element, aside from the writ, which must have, uh, when you've stated that you are the beneficially interested party and you have no other remedy in the, uh, uh, no other adequate remedy in the speedy, no other speedy adequate remedy in the ordinary course of law, those are the exact words you have to say, then uh, the writ must issue. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and in, in common law, must means must. There's no equivocation of the words. The words mean what they say, and they say what they mean, and that's the way it is. It's not open to liberal interpretation because it's based on maxims of law. And those maxims of law are well settled. They're not open to debate. This is law. 
And that's what our Constitution is based on. It's a, con- it's a common law document. It means what it says, and it means it at the time that they said it. Now, our founding fathers didn't uh, plan on everybody having to register their guns and do any of that nonsense. We're not saying that, you know, we can have assault rifles. There's no such thing as an assault rifle, any more than there's such a thing as a hate crime. Crime's a crime, and hate is hate. But under the First Amendment, you can hate anybody you want to hate, as long as you don't punch them in the face. You can say whatever you want to say, within reason. I mean, the reason being that you didn't actually slander them. See, that's crime. Liable is a crime. So, yeah, don't do crimes, and, and you won't be punished. Uh, and there, where, there's, where there's no duty, there's no punishment. Where there's no law, then there can be no punishment. This is straight out of the Bible. So uh, the other thing that I was going to say about that was, okay, so it, the writ is mandatory. When you have uh, – it, and one of the case laws about it said that uh, where the facts are truly stated, the writ of mandamus must issue, and then it's the maxim C et est. So another maxim there. The writ has to issue when you've properly stated the facts that you have no other remedy and you've been injured. So uh, when, the, when you get to that part and you've, you've said, okay, here's the injury, uh, and you've named the parties, you're saying, all right, so now you, we include in this a complaint for declaratory relief. Now, the complaint for declaratory relief isn't, uh, you know, something where you write in there, okay, complaint for declaratory relief. No, it's not done like that. It's done by stating facts. You state a fact that uh, that that there was. Um, let me pull it up here so I can just read to you exactly like what it says. Memorandum of law and facts. Well, it also, you have to have jurisdiction also. Well, the Constitution and the common law are the jurisdiction and the writ of animus. There's a jurisdiction. You, as a person who is a natural person with rights, that's the jurisdiction. I've been violent, I've been so, injured. <laughs> that the fact that you have a controversy, okay, let's see. Where can I pull it up? Because the, the, okay, the petition itself is a declaration under oath verified that, uh, so when, you, when people talk about an affidavit or a declaration, that's what a petition is. It's a verified declaration uh, of facts, and when those facts are organized in a particular manner, it becomes a petition for writ of mandamus. Now, you've had people say, you know, a declaration of truth, and, well, uh, you know, that's redundant, because if you're declaring it and you're swearing it under penalty of perjury, then it damn well better be the truth. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, here's a uh, statement, as I did it in mine, uh, of a declaratory relief. An actual and substantial controversy exists as to the legal rights and duties of said parties, period. A, petitioner has a right to a warrant of arrest issued upon probable cause, and respondent has a mandatory duty to obtain a lawful warrant of arrest issued upon probable cause, 
according to the Constitution, Article 1, Section 13, the Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution. Petitioner has a right to be brought before a magistrate immediately upon arrest, and respondent has a mandatory duty to bring petitioner before a magistrate without unnecessary delay upon arrest, according to the Constitution, Article 1, Section 7A, California, and Penal Code, Section 825, and the Fifth Amendment to the United States Constitution. There's the claim. That's the controversy. That's all you got to say. Because the Constitution is their indenture, which is a lot of rules that they must follow to upkeep and respect the people. Right. Couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) It's absolutely true. And it's binding upon all parties. Well, there's only two parties there. The natural person and the person with a duty. That's both sides mm-hmm. of the Constitution. People say, well, you can't violate that. Yeah, they can. And they the do all office. the time. Oath of office. That's why they take an oath of office. I swear to do this. That's right. Well, you know, a lot of people are chasing down those oaths of office. I did it too. We've all, you know, anybody who's been in this for a minute has, uh, has been down that path. And those, these are all rabbit trails, but they all are true and they all make you know, uh, you can make an argument about those things, but in reality, if the judge is wearing a robe and getting a check, the dude has oath office. Now, whether or not it's validly issued or whether or not, yeah, I don't care about all that. I just care about the fact that he's got a duty because he's doing his job. It doesn't matter that he's got a piece of paper if he signed it right or not. You know, hey, yeah, legislatively, yeah, that could be a problem. But the fact is, this is the dude that that uh, said I was guilty, and therefore, he's going to have a problem <laughs> if uh, if it turns out that uh, he did something wrong. Uh, not because he didn't have an oath, but because he didn't do his oath. Mm-hmm. The job has an oath; it's not personal. All right. At all times mentioned. Respondent has been able to perform his duty as a public official, notwithstanding such ability, and despite petitioner's demand to do so, respondent continues to fail and refuse to perform his non-discretionary, mandatory ministerial duty to obtain a lawful warrant of arrest for the petitioner. What you you were saying to me basically is private and public. What do you mean by that? Well, they... Well, they, how would I say, the natural person is private. And publicly, that natural person has a duty. And when he violated, he acts, as, he acts in the color of law, which is, like you say, it's, it's a, there's a penalty for it. Right. He violated okay. All right, a lot of people, okay, go into this issue about public and private rights. Private rights, as I'm using them in the context of how I'm doing my writ, private rights are private contracts. Right. All right. The driver's license is not a contract. Read your Black's Law Dictionary. It says it's not a contract. But, uh, and so, you know, there's no private rights there. The only rights that matter in this system of law for me and what I'm doing are my public rights. Public rights that all of us have 
but that are that are applied to me because I'm uh because because of my personal rights. And those are only private because they're they're mine. But they're not private from the yeah, they're not they're personal rights. They belong to me as a member of the society where we all agreed that the Constitution is going to be the supreme law. Everyone in this country who's standing on the soil of the United States, whether a United States citizen or not, to a certain extent, has these rights. Because every day as we as private people individually, we go out into the public and sometimes we are violated publicly. Yeah, every time a public official violates his duty, he's violating a public. He's violating it publicly. And your right is a public right, but it has to be a right that's not for a group like all of the citizens of the state, but you personally as under these rights which are expressed in the Constitution. All right, so uh, so those, the, you know, the private-public issue that a lot of people talk about and go into again it does not in, it it only enters into the situation if the duty that you're talking about was a private duty and there are no private duties with public officials unless you've entered into some kind of a private contract with that other natural person now now you cannot end the writ use the writ to enforce by judicial power any kind of a private right by right. contract. It does not have the force and effect of law at private rights in private contracts, and that includes payments of bills and stuff. But if you read that book, you'll find there are exceptions to that, and they're all in I'm your favor. That, I'm on that page now. What was that um, name of that uh, book again? It's called Law of Mandamus. In the files? In the files, yes. Law of Mandamus. Rid of Mandamus is slain. Five, four, three, two. Okay, yeah. Law of Mandamus. Sunday the 24th. Okay. Download the PDF now. Yeah, so I don't want to hog the show up, but maybe I can learn something from California. Let California in, I'll, I'll listen in. I'll, I'll mute out. Uh, you don't have to mute out. It's okay. Oh, uh, okay. I don't think California is actually talking. Are you there, California? Or It says, uh, it shows California, and then it looks like he hung up. That's weird. Yeah, it's Northeast California has hung up. Northeast California is on the call. Well, that's strange. It still shows them on there, but uh, everybody's unmuted. So, so we can. I can. Uh, it's. I don't. In Florida, it's getting late, huh? Probably got to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, that I do. So if you you know I'm gonna try and do more of these calls and you're welcome to uh, ask any questions you want. 
uh, at Facebook. I'm on there most all the time. And I think once you get a chance to read through that book and you'll start to see exactly what I'm talking about, and I'm sure you'll have more questions. I'll be happy right. to answer them and run you through it. But this is definitely, you know, you can also uh, stay the proceedings with the writ. Yeah, stay, stay a proceeding pending trial or something of that nature. Yes. Yeah, you do a request for stay. And uh, yeah. you know, you cleared up a, uh, several things for me. You know, I also like to say I thought it was the legislator, but you said it's the judicial. That's right. And, uh, because this, yeah, you're going to be at when you, if you were to file this, you would file it because the underlying action is criminal in the in the appellate division of the criminal appeal court at your at your uh, district court. Mm-hmm. That's who does it. Now, Florida is a pretty messed up state legally. They got a lot of problems there. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, this is is a is a cause of action that uh, that really can't be denied when it's done correctly. And like I said, in a couple of days, I'll know for sure if I have nailed my issues correctly. Because it, with the with the writ of mandamus, it must be perfect, perfect, because there's no liberal interpretation. You have mm-hmm. to properly state each issue. It has to be perfect. Otherwise, you'll get you you can get it filed and you'll get a ruling but you'll get the ruling that says a lot of the things like I did for the first 15 writs. Keep trying to narrow it down to the right person or keep trying to make sure that you get the right service or make sure that you've, you know, it all has to be there and then make sure that you got the person with the right duty. Like in the case of the Franchise Tax Board, I had the wrong, I, I, I got the wrong person and they don't have a duty. So rightfully the writ is dismissed as it should be, because that's what we want. We want we want to bring it to the right individual that has the duty. And when that's done, it must issue. And if that court won't issue it, then you go up to the next court and you tell them what they did and get them to tell them to issue it. Because, you, you, yeah, they all have, and if that court won't do it, then you go to the Supreme Court of your state and have them do it and make them do it. And if they won't do it, you go to the United States Supreme Court. Now, you think you're going to get to the United States Supreme Court on a traffic ticket? <laughs> Dude, they're going to they're they're going to issue the writ at some point. They're going to issue it. It's not it's not going. Yeah, they don't want to go to trial yet alone the Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> right, and it's super simple. It's not twenty copies and all this stuff. Now you got court rules, that's for sure, and you must follow those court rules to a certain point but only on those things that are required for the common law writ, not how it looks. You know, mine doesn't look anything like a lawyer's piece of paper, really. In the other, It's online paper, but uh, I just start right out, uh, whereas petitioner alleges that, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, one, I'm a California citizen. Two, Officer Matthew Gates, a public official. Three, the real party in interest, the people of the state. Boom, 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 there's your court. 
Done and done. Right. right, because the paper is the court. The building just housed the court. Right, right. Uh, yeah, exactly. I bring you court, and it's all written down right here. The cause of mm-hmm. action, the parties, the jurisdiction, it's all included in my statements, which are very short. The actual writ, okay, there's only three sentences on page one, so I'm going to call it, that's, that's one page, but it has almost nothing written on it. Page two, all double-spaced, has, uh, has, uh, is full. And page three uh, is uh, three-fourths of the way full. So you got basically two pages. That's the whole writ. Two pages. So that's everything you got to say in two pages. And trust and believe, it took a lot of fighting and arguing to get it down to that little. But the less you say, the less that can be misconstrued. You don't want to sure. include a lot of, you know, I don't include a lot. Uh, if I got one case that says what I need to say, or one statement that's, that is, uh, uh, and now that I'm converting all of the, any of the law to maxims of law, well, then, you know, where the statement I'm making uh, that uh, the court should, for example, the court, this court should issue a writ of mandamus to compel the respondent to produce a lawful warrant of arrest because this act is ministerial, not discretionary, and creates a mandatory duty in the respondent to perform the act. All right, then bam, you put your uh put your uh maxim of law right under that a, a writ of mandamus should issue because the petitioner is a beneficially interested party. Bam, you write your maximum of law right under that. Mhm, there you go. two sentences. that's all you need for your whole uh for your for your uh memorandum of points and authorities. The memorandum is informing the court. Of the of the maxims of law that require them to issue the the mandamus, which and it just points out with actually yeah. judicial notice. It, in, <laughs> in effect, it just tells them you got to do it. <laughs> so do it, and they do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's starting to come clear and clear. I'm about to look into this a little more, and and might take advantage of your your document you have there. Yeah, absolutely. Read that book; it'll clear it all up. Then you'll you'll see, you know, just that there that this is, you know, we've been doing it a long time. I'm not I'm not selling a theory here. I don't I don't have a theory about whether or not the courts are military. Of course they are. But that means, to me, administrative. Therefore, then, Article One of the Constitution, and therefore, then, doesn't have much to do with me. <laughs> when they violate the, they violate all that. Then because now, we're not, got, now we got a problem. Because you're not a private sergeant or lieutenant, for the matter of yeah. fact, none of that. <laughs> I, I'm not. I, I'm not a public official. I don't have a duty. I have rights. This is the sure. deal we made. I'm the one with rights. So. Now, you show me why you violated it. And let the judicial power of the third branch of government called the judicial branch do their job and enforce the law, which is the Constitution. Now, everybody tells you there's no Constitution. Well, that's nonsense. <laughs> that's the law. That is just because you don't know how to use it doesn't mean it's not there. Just because people have been doing it for 100 years doesn't mean it's not there. It has yeah. to be a constitution because the constitution being the establishment. 
and every state was established. Everything for that matter is established. Right? Yeah. I'm not arguing that there's two, there, there is or isn't, that, that there's a all capital letters state of Texas or Florida or California. Of course there is. Article 1. That's what they're doing. Well, don't go in there. And if they make you try to go in there, then turn around and stop them. They can't make you go in there. You have rights. That's well, where can that's, I get that's, that's, where can I get a uh, download of this show at? What um I will uh, I'll post it. It'll be on the talk show that you're on here at that I posted and that's posted on our uh judicial power hour page. Mhm. And uh as soon as we're done then I'll uh, I'll put it back up there. And it'll be it's recorded, so uh we have Sojourners on here, and he's doing a backup recording, he told me, uh, just in case the uh, the talk show itself doesn't record the call. But it, it tells me it is being recorded, and yeah, I don't know, we've got about 20 minutes there, 10 or 15 minutes where uh, I've started to talk to myself, and then I'm sitting here smoking a cigarette and not saying anything. So uh, it's blank at first. I, I don't have any way to edit it. But anyway, yeah, I'll post it up there, and uh uh, I'll put it on there and just call it uh, Florida Call or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you can go back and listen to it. Yeah, because I got to get me to catch a couple of these because 5 o'clock yeah. i to come real quick. Oh, yes, sir. All right, brother. Well, we'll let you go and we'll end the call. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you. I'll be keeping in touch. All right. Cheers. God bless. Thank you, brother. All right. Call recording. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.